John? I don't know. I got a lot of stuff to do. Do you really? Oh, yeah, yeah I guess you do. Have you not done Gats yet? No. Oh, yeah. Then. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, or, and podcast, too, right? Podcast is done. Podcast is two weeks out. Okay. I So I've been doing... I was talking with a, a student in the game audio training series, uh, Elvin, as he is in Discord. And oh, okay, I thought that was his real first name. I don't know. It might be. He's Elvin. Elvin. <laughs> <laughs> he was telling me about something called mini habits, and it was very cool and very useful for me. And I've designed most things in my day-to-day life around it now. Mini habits. As of this week, this is- mini habits. Mini habits. Okay. Yeah, but it's been really useful. So I have a little whiteboard here that has like a things that I have to do every day. And then I have things that I have to do for work every day. And then I have little sticky notes that I do for things that are, that are specific to that day. But the way that mini habits work basically is it's not so much about trying to worry about doing the thing to the fullest in volume. It's just about breaking through the first step mm-hmm. as with most things in life. So if you want to for example, start working out more, then you should just do a push-up or go somewhere, go to the gym and do a push-up and then you can leave. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the only rule that you have. It's a very easy commitment at that point, but it yeah. s- starts to build a, you build a habit just by going to the gym and then you can stack on the habit over time and do like a slow build for it. Interesting. Yeah, you can start on like building a routine with one of everything. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's really nice because I just have a bunch of very basic things that I want to do on a day-to-day basis and I just have to do the bare minimum to get it started and by the time I've started my brain knows what to do after that point Hmm. so it's just like hey just do a push-up it's like okay I'll do a push-up and then I end up doing 30. (laughs) Yeah that first step is always the toughest one even if it was like hey do a push-up it's like I could not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah it's hard man doing anything is hard. (laughs) <laughs> well, what's what's the thing that like pushes against you? Because the thing that pushes against me is time. Like I th- I think about working out and I'm just like, oh, I don't I don't have the time. But then someone says, oh, just do one push up. I'm just like, okay, I can do that at least. Honestly, the most difficult. This is a stupid. You're gonna love this. This is very stupid. The most difficult thing that's always in my way is whether or not I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and if I don't want to do a push up. It's going to be real, real hard to do a push Yeah, I guess I think that I have a part of me that just knows what's good for me. And because I know it's good for me, I want to do it. Ah, see, that doesn't work for me. I know it's good for me, but I don't care. <laughs> Interesting. It's been a long time problem of mine. Yeah, I guess I guess lately I've kind of been like not down on myself, but I've just been slow and I've been just not fulfilled entirely. Uh-huh. I'm kind of at a point where I'm willing to try a lot of different things to get myself up to that point well there's no rush i just akash just gave me a book called late bloomers that i think came out like april of night of 2019 and okay it's really interesting i think i'm like about halfway through it and i as i read it it's like oh everybody on earth needs to read this parents especially and it has a lot to do with how society favors and looks more highly upon people who you know have their first million by the time they're 30 and how important it is to also at the very least equally celebrate people who do things later in life because that's just how it works out for people sometimes and it's really tough to be somebody who doesn't get you know I mean I would even consider myself like I'm 33 and I'm just now starting to do this thing that makes me you know 
feel pretty good about what I do every day. And I don't know if that counts as late, but nobody in the world is interested in hearing about someone who started, you know, the CEO who got their first million at 60 years old. And it's just harder to be that type of person. Yeah, there definitely is an element of people that like, I I think I had a dream about this last night, actually. Mm, I had a dream about the Titanic, though. Ooh, cool. And in, in a snowstorm. You... <laughs> oh, cool. That was a lot. It was a goofy <laughs> one, man. I, remember, I, I don't remember it well enough to even pretend here, but. Um, I, I had a dream last night that actually related directly to what you're just talking about, which is really weird. Ooh. The takeaway was that. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's just like, hey, do it. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing I was thinking about, too, is small things like you hear people like get their big break just because someone like found them on the street or mm-hmm. like or you know there's like one in a million chance kind of things and yeah it's kind of the same thing as like the lottery it's like there's just all this stuff that goes against you but like i feel like that's also the path of least resistance to to try and get successful i don't know it's just a lot of small things oh sure yeah and i just as you were talking about that i sort of considered the thought of like a social lottery and how being a warm compassionate person is basically like doing yourself a favor in the social lottery like if you were to go buy you know a thousand lottery tickets versus just one it's like the nicer you are the more people that you connect with and stuff like that you effectively buy yourself one more ticket into the social lottery and you have a much better chance of winning yeah yeah in the regards of like well i met the right person and i was nice to them and now they helped me get to this point that i don't think i would have been able to get to on my own and certainly not as quickly and the more people you meet and the more that happens, you know, that's only going to be good for everybody. Yeah. And I think that you can also apply that sort of idea to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I, I think my favorite thing I would probably apply that to is developing different skills. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What I what I learn about music, I'm able to easily apply to art as well in its own way. For me to get good at one thing, I know the journey of getting good at that thing. And I know how to do it again with a different thing. Yeah, I... I... I really like the way that certain simplified concepts apply themselves to a whole bunch of different components of living that you wouldn't think would be the same. But like, yeah, in this other book that I'm reading called, oh, The Charisma Myth, she was talking about how if you want to get good at tennis, you need to practice playing tennis. And if you want to get good at being a compassionate person, then you need to practice it. All these things, you know, involve in people the same way. You have to do it to make it easier to do (laughs) effectively. Yeah, and that's... From the beginning, that's what Blip Sounds has been. It's just mm-hmm. been like I, I just dive in and make a mistake, and I. That's why we have like the competition and all this other stuff. It's like, hey, even if you're messing up, it's still practice. <laughs> yeah, that is just anything, doing anything. I had a, a teacher when I was in seventh grade once tell me he was not a fan of mine. He said, he said, <laughs> he said, if you keep doing something wrong, you're just going to get really good at being bad at it. And oh, that's <laughs> awful. You had a teacher tell you that? Oh, of course, Mr. Oh, Waltansky. No. And I mean, he's not wrong. And I think about that a lot. Like, it seems like a really dark thing to say to a seventh grader, and it might be. But, you know, and this is much more from a perspective of like math than something creative. Like, you can't, there's no wrong way to do a creative thing. But who just blonged in my ear? Oh, it's it was Kai. Kai. Very good. What's up, Kai? But I think about that all the time. If you practice doing something wrong, you're just going to be really good at being bad at it. And I, I, but the concept still applies even to what the reason I brought this story up is the concept still applies to what you just said, where it's like, even if you don't do something well, it counts as practice. And I don't want to say that. I, I think there's two sides to it, right? Because like, I think that 
I think that the people that are just have never done it before, they need to not worry about being perfect. Right. Oh, yeah. That, absolutely. And that's kind of what I was saying, trying to say at the end there was like, I don't necessarily mean this to apply to anybody like starting out in something and failing and having that be an exercise into futility by being bad at something forever, because obviously you will learn how to do things more correctly. Yeah. I was just using that example to sort of prove, I guess, in a negative way, what you said about how even failing counts as practice. Because even yeah. if you are failing over and over and over, you will still get good at doing it wrong, which is the cause and effect of, of practice. And so yeah, yeah, maybe it didn't need to be. <laughs> it was a little bit more twisted up than I thought. But No, you're good. You're good. I, I think that there's, there's, there's also just like generally different stages in how like a starting stage, a middle stage, and an end stage of like mm-hmm. how, or there's never really an end stage, I would say, in learning something. But no, I think that's true. It, it, depending on what it is. If we're talking about like a creative medium, right. then it's it's endless. Right. It's Especially because anything almost at all is going to evolve in front of you. Yeah. And so you just keep following behind it. And it's like, you, yeah. you know, even with like making music or sounds like, well, we have you know, since that make sounds that we never could make before and they make them in a different way. So now let's all re-under, relearn music, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, like one of my most, one of the things, I find this to be such a fascinating thing and I think I'm alone in it, but there's a couple of Paula Abdul songs from the early 90s <laughs> that the synth work in them is just a Sega Genesis. Like it is absolutely just <laughs> oh, the yeah. sound of a Sega Genesis. And yeah. I, you listen to it and it's like, how in the world did they get away with making this sound the same? And I was actually talking to Brett Elston at the time. And he's like, he's like, that's just, I mean, that was the top of the line chips and stuff that they had then just like, you know, PS4 and whatever else is. Did, like, did we talk about this before? Cause I think this, this sounds so familiar. I hope not. This. I mean, I'm sure we have, I, I'm having a real hard time remembering the last 10 seconds all day so far, but no, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Kai? How was your, did you celebrate New Year's? I did not celebrate New Year's. I watched The Witcher. That's a better thing than I did. I just, un- I had my, I unplugged my headphones with my foot. So everything that you just said earlier is all gone. I see. So The Witcher, uh, yes. I like The Witcher a lot. Have you seen it yet, Chris, or no? I haven't. Yeah, I want to do a video on it. I think it'd be really cool to do, there's a couple different things we could do uh, a part on. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be cool to do like maybe one of the monsters, some magic, or... Um, or like this scream sound that exists. I'm interested in the scream that I keep hearing so much about from you only. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's you're gonna hear it and you're just gonna be like, ooh. I really okay. I like that. I the sword sounded so nice in the first episodes. That's guy Jens. The the sword. Oh yeah, yeah. The sword sounds. Yeah. Uh. Well, the sword sounds are so interesting because they they don't make sense. They weren't realistic, and that threw me off a little bit. But after I got over it, I was just like, cool, this is awesome. So what are they, like, really typical stock sounds or what? So they basically took, like, sword clinging sounds, mm-hmm. but they reversed it. So they made it, like, a wham, wham kind oh, of sound. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a common It's common, and it works really well because it a, pic, a moving picture needs sound of some sort to give feedback to the watcher. Mm-hmm. The the wit what yeah the watcher, <laughs> watcher. Gerald with a pair of binoculars on. <laughs> it's actually it's actually Gerald. I'll Gerald Gerald yes yes. <laughs> Gerald from The Witcher. Hey guys, it's Gerald from <laughs> Rivera. It's Gerald from The Watcher. 
<laughs> that's your joke. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. That's, that's what you're looking for. The, the, <laughs> that's, the, that's the bad joke I was fishing for. <laughs> yeah, Kai says that Gerald's, Gerald's, Geralt's sword <laughs> felt like it had its own voice. Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. The fighting court choreography is so good. The, I'm going to give it a shot. I really need to play the game. I fired the game up once when I like first came out and I played it for like four seconds and I was like, there's an awful lot of buttons they want me to use here. And then I went and did something else. And <laughs> <laughs> just the control scheme is super clunky on a keyboard. I, I never played the games, but I, everybody that says they don't like the new watcher show, <laughs> I think I've played the games before. And, and people are saying that the games executed it better, I guess. Interesting. Cause that's my first, my friend Andy was the first person to tell me, because he's been really looking forward to it, to it. He loved the game. He's a big uh, Project Red fan. And so he's like, dude, Witcher, bring it. And he watched it and he's like, yeah, it's okay. This, 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 and this. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's my first impression is that it's perfectly serviceable. But then after that, everybody else has lost their bananas. And I just, I don't know who's in what camp, but it's interesting that you say that. That's the pattern I've noticed with everyone who said they don't like it so far. Though there are some people that, I would say that's the only like through line that I can see, but even then I know some people that have played the games that liked it. Yeah. Okay. But they all there were also people that just like appreciated general art as a whole. Mm-hmm. So like they understood. Honestly, the execution on the production value in The Witcher is the best part. That's hands awesome. down. Because that's the hardest part to mimic from game to show, I think. Well, you know you know it was a book first, right? I was gonna ask if it was because I've heard a lot about the books. But I wasn't sure if it was a Halo situation where the game spawned the books or if there's actually the Witcher game is made from a book, which would be pretty impressive to do. I don't think that happens very often. The game was made from the book. And I don't know how one-to-one the book was to the game and what the show is one-to-one with. Yeah. Kai said, I play the game. I played the games, but to adapt to TV to appeal to a bit of a wider audience, it's going to change. I treated it like its own thing, which I think is always the best way to do anything like that. Because it's effectively like I'm, you know, I'm getting more of this thing I love with stuff I've not already seen. Yeah, I, I think you'll enjoy it just because yeah. you haven't played the games, probably, and you're you're an you're an appreciator of most creative mediums. Um, so I think that you'll like it. Episode three is the best That's episode good. I've seen so far. I need to rewatch episode four because I there were some effects that looked off, but I was on my laptop because hmm, Netflix okay. wasn't working on my TV. So I had to, it, it felt underwhelming because of that, of my the system I was watching on versus, is, has that happened to you before? Oh yeah, totally. I had, there's a song, uh, there's a song by Ludo called The Horror of Our Love. And it's a very simple, like single guitar sort of ballady it's not really ballady because it's it's a horror song about basically being murdered by a woman because you, she can't have you and then like walking around and with her ghosts and all kinds of crazy stuff it's a really fantastic song and but the first time i heard it when the album came out i heard it in my car and it's a song where dynamics are very important and so it's like a lot of it's really quiet but if you listen to it quietly you pick up all these things that are happening in it and so the first few times I heard it was only in the car, and I was like, "This song is tr- this song is trash. This is not interesting in any way." And then I finally listened to it outside of being in a you know noisy driving situation. I was like, "Oh my god, there's so much here I have completely not seen because of the way that I was listening to this." <laughs> interesting. Does that happen to you with visuals, like a better screen ever? Um, honestly, as dedicated to home theaters I am, I don't 
think I've ever had that happen quite that way. Okay, interesting. But I mean, I've been in. I there have been times when you like you watch a movie or something, and it's like this is so dark I can't even see anything. That's where I say that a certain quality of display plus proper calibration is super important. Yeah, because even though people buy new TVs and stuff all the time, they never get calibrated like professionally. I have a an extraordinarily boring dry display home theater display calibration blu-ray that is the nerdiest most awful thing <laughs> but you watch it so that you get all these test patterns and instructions and stuff on how to set your tv to reference calibration so when you say calibration do you mean like video to audio or do you mean video to the lighting situation that you're video display image to studio reference settings what does studio reference settings imply like when they transfer movies and stuff either the references set by the people who shot the film or the references set by the transfer from the film to a home theater or like a to like a home video medium they all have reference points that they use for all of the color correction and audio and everything they do for the transfer process and so you use the calibration uh, disc to match your display and your speakers and stuff to all of those levels as they were mixed so that you get the content represented as close to how they wanted you to see it as you possibly can. Interesting. Yeah, and that helps a lot with, especially from like a discrete 5 or 7.1 home theater setup, it helps a lot with like situations where you're watching a movie and you and you feel like you have to turn it down during the action scenes and turn it up during like dialogue right. and stuff. And from an audio calibration perspective, there's a point that you set for like your your listening distance is at a certain decibel level for each speaker at a certain level on your receiver. So you know that if you set the audio on your receiver to negative 20, then you're getting, you know, 75 decibels per speaker at your listening position. And then it's all mixed to those numbers. And then you set it to that and you never have to adjust it again for the whole movie. Which I, assume is awesome. that, I assume that you were talking about the visuals, <clears throat> not the audio. No, I know, but it's it, they're both one and the same. They both, it happens a lot. Like you, you okay, do the gotcha. visual calibration, but the audio one's just a little bit easier to explain. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause the audio, audio calibration is really interesting to me. Uh-huh. I, I, I like it personally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too. Absolutely. I, it's it, there, there. Yeah. There are apps that like allow you to just play a sound through the speakers and then like you can find like the center position and then like also where to place your speakers and uh, it's there's a lot to it. I did yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. I haven't done it in like six years, but mm-hmm. I enjoy it to some degree, at least. I have a million-year-old uh, SPL meter that I got from my friend Austin when he worked at this studio that we used to go to. And I use that, and it's it's analog, and I think it, it needs calibrated, but the only thing I know about calibrating it is not working. <laughs> so I kind of just have to... But it does also come with a test tone. It's like a, It looks like a flashlight, but you turn it on, and it's 120 <laughs> dBs. Oh. something and, and if you like put it in it's super super like isolated but if you like put it up to your ear you just like go deaf immediately but wow you hold it up to the spl meter and then that way you can calibrate the the dial because you know that that's 120 and so you just pick 120 and you you know make it so that it matches and now you know that it's a zeroed out effectively huh and it's all very interesting and to nobody but me but <laughs> <laughs> well we are a sound design podcast so yeah and i figured that's why i kind of like even though audio calibration is easier to explain it is also probably more interesting for the people listening to this so that i just went down that road instead yeah do you have a favorite game soundtrack of the year and the decade oh hmm 
Wow, that's a good question. Of the year. Um, I'm going to have to use Google to remind me of what games there are. Yeah, it is, I, it is a bit of a uh, spotlight or whatever they say. Yeah, on, on the put me on the spot. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> you know, I want to say, ooh, you know what it is? What, for the year? Yeah, for the year, it's Cadence of Hyrule. Dude, let me tell you, I just, I was listening to that yesterday. Brett, Brett sent me a, a YouTube link to like, just, I think it, I don't know if it's the actual, I think it, one hour of chill and lo-fi music from Cadence of Hyrule. So it's like just a one hour, you know, playlist of some of the chiller tracks. And it, it is so good. I have not listened to any of it at all. I, I, this game is blowing past me. It like a ghost i have barely even know what exists but man oh man that music is so good you're absolutely right <sighs> dude uh i think it was danny danny b yeah danny yeah Maranowski. yeah man himself killed it wow he always does he's so good all the time you want to hear something crazy chris uh-huh portal 2 came out the, in this decade in the last decade what year 2011? 2011 yeah yeah i'm so good with dates isn't that? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you really needed take... that, didn't you? <laughs> I really did. I was so excited. I just, I don't know. I do this thing where people ask me when they think something came out, and I usually get it right. I, no, I, I have some of those things. It's not too. a challenge. <laughs> no, no, for sure. No, it, just the way you said it, you're just like, oh yes, <laughs> yeah, it was, give it's it really to satisfying me. <laughs> to get that right. <laughs> okay, so in terms of the decade, mm-hmm. I mean, this is really on the spot. Just to remember, sit and remember ten years of music. But do you have one? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so there, there are five that I think are worth mentioning. I'm not sure which is the best. Great. I'm um, into it. Breath of the Wild, of course. Uh, Overwatch. Interesting for music. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking sounds for Overwatch. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, not for music's no, really for good. Music. Music's it's, good. It's fine. I mean, it's appropriate and it's technically good, but it does. It's not very interesting. Celeste, so good. Mario Galaxy. Mario, oh, sorry. Wow. That sounds totally true, yeah. Mario Galaxy 2, sorry. Fine, that's great. But that's what I meant. And uh, I want to put either... Uh, Smash Bros. doesn't count, I don't think. that's like, Actually, the only original music in Smash Bros. isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I understand. Uh, Last of Us might be the last one. Oh, wow. that's uh, I didn't expect that at all. Last of Us mm. or Skyrim, I'm not sure. I... Oh no, Undertale. Undertale. What am I saying? Undertale's number one, oh. hands down. Hands down. Interesting. Yeah. I I have listened. I listened to that. That's one of the that's one of the soundtracks I listened to twenty times before I ever played the game. It's so good. It really is so so good. It's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I I'm like going through this list of all these games that came out. Oh man, and the soundtrack that's got like forty tracks on it. Like what a what a boss. Yeah, he did it himself too. Like there's I know. there are people in the credits. There's a lot of people in the credits, but they did. They do like small things that he just either got lazy and didn't feel like doing, understandably, since he did the whole game by himself. Mm, well, I was going to say, I feel like somebody who's capable of what he can is not capable of being lazy, so it probably was just delegation to keep himself sane. Yes. <laughs> lazy is definitely the wrong word. I will yeah, yeah. I will 100% <laughs> say that. And here, I, I'm just not prepared for this conversation. Continue. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Uh, I, think, I mean, we're at 31 minutes. We could end it if you want. 
No, I, I just mean like I asked you this question. And, and you don't have a follow-up or anything? I have nothing for myself, so you keep talking. And <laughs> cool, <laughs> cool. That's fine. Take um, a quick scan here. Through this uh, Undertale is... No, Undertale is definitely... It's, it's weird, too, because it was done by one person. And, mm. like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, millions of dollars have gone into Overwatch or Skyrim or Breath of the Wild. Undertale yeah. was yes. done by one guy with probably... Thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars, or something like that. Yeah, an interesting component to that too is Undertale, being the type of game that it is. I feel like has so much more freedom to make really catchy video game music, whereas all that other stuff is gonna. It's so th- like theatrical that it sort of limits itself because everything sort of took on this, you know, movies, movie type Hans Zimmer score in gaming yeah. over the last ten years, where the biggest stuff. You know, it has really good music, but it's always going to be really good, big, sweeping theatrical orchestral music versus, the you know, Undertale, which is beeps and boops and is, you know, can sound toyish and have it be great. Yeah. And it gives them f- more freedom for like really catchy things and stuff like that, because it's I think it's a bigger character of the game. You know, I, yeah, I think I think Undertale definitely has its own like self-awareness and its own. It has broader rules, I guess, as a mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the story that it tells through the game, like, they can throw in Squanch Bob score palms, and, and, <laughs> and he could go in the game, and everyone would be like, oh, yeah, that's just a character in Undertale, yeah. and it makes sense. You yep. can't do that yes. with Destiny or Overwatch. <laughs> exactly. 100%. <laughs> or you could put you could put uh, Geralt in Undertale, and everyone would be like, okay, yep, that works. <laughs> like it's yep, Ger- Gerald Watcher. <laughs> Gerald Watcher from Undertale. That's totally true, and it's an inter- it, it brings up an interesting discussion about the concept of, like, having all having no limits whatsoever and, like, the paralysis of choice that you get with that and the a completely different world of difficulty that comes with making a game that needs to be have a narrative and story and characters and all has to work within its own logic and all the other stuff that happens in AAA games. Like, they're two very different equally complicated things i think i agree well it's also undertale would never be made by a big studio just because of i mean absolutely not because it's like it's one person putting all of their personality into something versus a hundred plus people yeah. trying to you know like having one cohesive vision between 100 people and having like that much personality ingrained into different characters and such it's mm-hmm. doable, and I think Overwatch is probably the best game that does it, that succeeds in that, maybe. That and probably Last of Us are the two, in my mind. Last of Us is such a good game. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for that sequel, man. Yeah. Oh, boy, there's a lot. I'm, I'm just been casually going through a list of games per year since 2010. There's a lot of good music in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think for me... Just based on the soundtracks that I know that I've listened to the most without going through a list and specifically picking up my favorite ones. Celeste, Owlboy, Ori in the Blind Forest. Ooh. Dude, Ori came on the other yesterday. I was just listening to a YouTube playlist of uh, Ninja Warrior Returned or something. Ninja Saviors. Oh, yeah. The Ninja Warriors once again, apparently. It's like a reboot of a game from 94. Uh-huh. And it, it, I actually, I think it linked to it at some point, but that one's super banging. But after that one was done, it just kind of fell into like Ori, and I haven't listened to Ori in a long time. And it was True. Like, oh my god, dude, this is so good, <laughs> and it reminds me so much. No, 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 that's not true. Owlboy has a very um, 
Jerry Goldsmith sound feel to it. He did the soundtrack for Poltergeist, and I hear similarities between them all the time in so many different songs, and that's one of my favorite things about it. It's very interesting. Nice. Yeah. I, um... It's interesting. I think you chose all... Uh... With the exception of Ori, I think you chose all, like, independent games. Yeah, and I didn't play... I didn't play a ton of AAA stuff, but like I said, it this music doesn't get a chance to take on its own personality lately in big AAA games because they're so cinematic, and it just would be harder. Ori is AAA, right? That's is mi- it? I think it's Microsoft, isn't it, that did it? I thought it was... Is it Moon Studios? Uh, Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah, Moon Studios. I don't know anything about Moon Studios. I know that Microsoft shows up when Yeah, they, they published it. Okay, so... Uh, it's hard to say then. Yeah, I would say I would say that's not a triple A. It's, it's not triple A, but it's not indie either. I would say. So I don't know. Um, me and Seth and Tom were talking about that sort of designation. I think we came up with double A for stuff like that. I said, yeah, people, people. I it's weird because yeah, triple I would be like indie quality. Oh. Triple I, I would say, would be like Undertale, right? I've never heard of triple I. It's see, that's the thing, like. People say there's indie and AAA, and like I brought up triple I and double A to some friends. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the triple A version of indie. I see. Um, Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, because like you have games like uh, I think like Subnautica, it could be considered that. That's true. I'd call that for anything that anything that Power Up works on too would be likely Mm -hmm. triple I. I brought up triple I and double A to people and. They they were just like Ryan. That's not a term, and I'm just like, I was like, why why can't it be? Like it makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah, everything has to start at least you know at some point. Yeah, it's just like, what who who's the person that decides this? Why are you saying? Why are you putting a limit on this? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I, I think they were trying to protect me from like, like <laughs> sounding stupid, but I don't know. <laughs> that's dumb. Well, I was there's a very there's a really interesting episode of the Adam Ruins Everything podcast where he talks about talks to somebody who works basically for the dictionary she's on the, the panel of people who puts words in the dictionary like new words and they talked about how funny it is because the dictionary bases their word legitimacy on how many people use it and it's like ubiquity over time and it's commonplace and all that stuff and the dictionary relies on us to make new words to go in the dictionary but everybody talks about how a word isn't a word because it's not in the dictionary and that's a really funny problem that nobody <laughs> on one side recognizes versus the other that's and i thought that, that was super funny. funny so you can call it whatever you yeah. want damn it <laughs> huh that's good to hear okay cool triple i triple a yep i'm into it yep i'm i'm mr dictionary but yeah the specifically that's right we're all gonna do it. Yeah, you say triple I, you get the hell out. <laughs> we'll throw you out. Oh of yeah, Kai Jones says get the Discord to all use triple I and legitimize it. And oh, we do have that kind of power technically with so many people in here. We we kind of we kind of do. I mean, I feel like we have we have some big names, and I think if we got like a couple big people on board, like it would, and, and all the everybody else too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, we, we'd be in good shape. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say um, specifically our definition for double A was the that. They were they're working on a game that is being developed by a new a brand new studio that is being run by someone who used to be AAA some big AAA dev and then they're like I'm gonna go do my own thing and then they make a new studio and so it's like they've got AAA experience 
probably with the ability to get some decent publishing based on their name, but they're making a new game in a new studio with new people. And so it's like, yeah, we, we decided that, that would be called Double A. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, if we can yeah, if we can find even uh, even more like granular separation between these de- definition of terms, the better off we'll be. <laughs> maybe, maybe, or we'll just find ourselves <laughs> with a. It's like when, like when community tried for so long to, <laughs> to make streets ahead a thing people say. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is it? That community? Did you ever watch Community? I never have. But what was the thing that you said? St- streets oh, man, ahead. It was so good. It, they were talking about. Yeah, that thing is totally streets ahead, and it was just like a way of saying that something was particularly oh, that's cool. So fun. Oh, that's really <laughs> funny. It was real, dude. You have to watch Community. It's one of the best shows of all time. I've been looking for a, a transition to end this podcast, and I think I found the perfect one. Uh, my one of my favorite. Here it comes one of my favorite things that somebody said to me recently is my friend Bernard. Mm-hmm. He was leaving, and he said, "I'm going to make like a baby and head out." <laughs> I love that so much. It reminds me of a meme I read yesterday that said every kid born feet first very temporarily wears his mother as a hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah, it really made me laugh a lot. Make like a baby head out. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next Wednesday. Uh, where we'll... Mega Man 11 came out? Mega Man 11 came out last year, as in 2018. I have to play it. That came out Continue. way longer ago, I thought, didn't it? Tw- yeah, 2018, it says. Mega Man 11. Oh, wow. Why have I not played this? I'm such a piece of Maybe garbage. Maybe it's bad. So long, everyone. No, the Steam rating is 9 out of 10, and GameStop gave it a 4.5 <laughs> out of 5. You say it came out last year. It came out on, like, the 31st. Oh, no, 2018. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last last year. At least we don't use pen and paper anymore as a society, so we don't have to cross out our, our dates until March. <laughs> Look like morons. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> I wrote 2019 again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Exactly. Well, well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, don't forget to stop by the Discord if you want to join these live streams every Wednesday at 2 p.m. EST. And uh, yeah, my name's Ryan. Hi, my name's Chris. <laughs> I, I, we never do that, but it seems like appropriate thing to do. To Yeah, I suppose at this point, yeah, with public-facing vo- podcasts, we should probably start doing that more. Yeah, yeah. My name's Ryan. And my name's Chris. And we are blip sounds. Yep. That's too many. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's all getting cut out. <laughs>